0: Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Fidelis. it's Lauren and Cassie here again and today we are going to get a little bit more risque and we're going to be talking about sex. Um, more specifically though, we're going to discuss purity culture and also the spread of promiscuity and how these two conflicting ideas affect, well all people, but especially women and Catholic women and how this is at odds with Catholic teachings. Lauren, how are you doing? We're good, um, but I know it's like that time of year, so hopefully everyone listening, you're able to stay strong for the rest of the winter for the next few months. <laughs> um, so this idea of purity and abstinence was really trendy in the 90s and the 2000s, and so that's where we were, you know, wanted to start. Um I have my kids are not old enough that they're in youth group or whatever. So I'm a little bit out of touch if this is something that youth groups are still pushing. But I know that when I was in high school, um, it was very trendy. You had purity balls and purity rings and true love weights, um, pledges uh, and abstinence pledges. And it was all about staying pure for marriage. And now what I am noticing is there's this, new attention being paid to all of these teenagers that were involved in these purity pledges and the effects that it's had on them, you know, did it work? Were they able to remain pure until marriage and how did it affect their marriages and their sex lives and everything? Um, the short answer is, you know, it didn't work and the results were not good. Um, was this something you had experience with when you were, when you were in high school? Yeah, I definitely think that <clears throat> is a good point, that it was a backlash to the culture of promised duty, which, I mean, we're also going to talk about, um, but I know in my experience, the problem, I did sign one of those True Love Waits pledges, and um, I did not wait, <laughs> um, but the... The problem in my experience was that there was no, there was no frank talk about sex. There was no discussion of why you should wait. Um, It was just, you know, don't have sex till marriage just because. And then on top of that, there wasn't any real, I don't want to say warning, but it was like, I made all of these mistakes when I got older and I got into the dating world because I feel like I wasn't prepared. You know, no one really told me like, oh, well, guys are going to sit there and they're going to say all the right things and do all the right things and you're going to think they really care about you, but, hey, they don't. Or that, you know, the idea that, oh, well, if you feel like if I don't have sex with someone, they're going to leave me, well, that probably means you shouldn't have sex with them. No one ever told me any of these things, you know, like no one, I guess, adequately prepared me for what dating in this sexualized culture was going to be like. And the reality is, is that's what all of us were going to have to deal with is that we were going to be dating in this culture where sex was going to be heavily expected. And how do you prepare for that? No one, no one gave me any kind of preparation or, talked about it I mean it was just don't have sex that was it there was no deeper discussion beyond that I think
1: that's
0: No, that's exactly the experience I had, too, Um, because it was, I was 18 when I had sex the first time, so it was literally, I got out of high school, and there are two things that I think are notable, one is exactly what you just said, was that there was, I mean, there's just no preparation, there's no, in my case, you know, I graduated high school, and it it was just like, I thought, oh, well, I'm just not going to just don't have sex. It's just that easy. But then you have feelings for someone like strong feelings. You think you're in love and you think that they love you. And it, the person that I have lost my virginity to, I'd been in a serious relationship and we had thought we were going to get married. So it was like, well, you know, why not? And then the problem after that was that once you lost your virginity at that point, with the mindset that these true love weights pledges kind of instill in you, it's like, well, you're not a virgin anymore. So now it doesn't matter. You know, it's already gone. Who cares? And the other problem is, you know, along the lines of what I just said is that it, it, there's no reality in these, in this, I mean, I don't want to say training, but that's like, that's what they're trying to do is train you to not have sex. There's no talk about, Again, what it's going to be like when the secular culture around you, everyone is obsessed with sex and having sex and casual sex on top of that. And it's expected and it's shown to you as fun and normal and healthy. And if you don't do it, then, you know, guys are not going to want you. And there's no preparation for that. There's no warning. And it's, it's unfair to put that on a, a child and then send them out into the world and expect them to just know what to do. Yeah. And while, I mean, I guess I should say, luckily enough, I, I did not personally, um, have this experience, but the damaged goods thing, that is a major problem. And it happens across all denominations and different religions. Um, I know of people that have had this happen in Catholic youth groups, and obviously it's very big among Protestants. We know that, but I, I know of it happening to people that I know personally
2: in Catholic youth groups.
0: Um, Elizabeth smart, um, who everyone knows who she is. She was the girl that was kidnapped out of her, out of her bedroom and she was held captive and was repeatedly raped. And she talked afterwards about how she felt like she was damaged and dirty and no one was going to want her anymore. And one of the things she specifically talked about was this metaphor that, um, Someone at her youth group, and she's Mormon, Elizabeth Smart is Mormon, um, would chew up a piece of gum and then, like, ask if other people wanted to chew it after it already been chewed. And of course, no one wants to do that. And it's like, well, this is what sex is like. Once you're chewed up, no one's going to want you anymore. And other examples that I've heard from people I personally know were the water thing where um, there's, like, a cup of water and everyone goes around and spits in it. And then the last person at the end of the row is, do you, would you want to drink this water? And then there was one about, like, a candy of some kind, like, crushing it up. And the point is, in all of these, is that it's, like, instilling this idea in someone that once you have sex, you're disgusting, and no one's going to want you anymore, which... It's problematic on so many levels, you know? I mean, for one thing, even if someone does wait until marriage, when you're telling someone over and over again that you're now an old, gross, chewed-up piece of gum, how are they supposed to suddenly view sex in a healthy way? Because sex is not a bad thing. It's not gross or dirty, but that's what you're telling someone. And then on the other hand, there's also the thought of, okay, what if someone's sexually assaulted, like Elizabeth Smart was? You're really going to sit there and say that that's not going to have an effect on how they view themselves? And, and then on top of that, the Catholic groups do this. is just mind boggling to me because it completely ignores that, you know, if nothing else, if you do have premarital sex, even lots of premarital sex. And I've been very open about that. I'm one of those people. You know, we have the sacrament of confession. Like just because you may have a past or have done things that you shouldn't have done, it doesn't suddenly mean you're broken or dirty forever and that that's going to be haunting your life forever it's, it goes completely against everything the church teaches yeah one thing I've noticed that I I think among Catholics specifically is kind of an interesting side effect of this purity um, culture is that people who are adults. Now I know of quite a few that are now pushing back against certain saints um, like St. Maria Goretti because they sit there and are saying, well, what kind of message is this sending to people? What kind of message are we trying to say that, you know, it's better to die than to be raped, or her purity is so special and so important that it's worth her becoming a saint over. And we're not going to get into literally St. Maria Goretti's story and why she's a saint. Obviously, those aren't the reasons why she's a saint. Um, But those attitudes that people are having are completely understandable based on the culture that so many people were were raised in that they were taught to view purity as this is this end all be all and so of course as they grow up and they've been damaged by this mindset when they see someone like saint maria goretti you know i hate to use this word but it's it's almost like it's triggering for them in a sense brought Yeah, and I mean, I, de- I definitely agree that it's important that, you know, people especially, you know, children, because teenagers, they they don't feel like it, but they're still children. Um, It's good that they understand, like, you shouldn't be having premarital sex, you know? No, confession is not just a sacrament, that it just wipes bad things away. That's not the, well, it does, but, (laughs) you know, you don't just have sex and go, oh, well, I can go to confession later. That's not the way it works. Um, But in any case, yeah, that shouldn't be taught. But then at the same time, It's, and not just with sex, I mean, with any sins, you know, I think it's important that they understand, like, look, this is the goal that you should have, but if you fall short, God's mercy is there for you, you know, I mean, look at St. Augustine, you know, look at St. Augustine, and that was certainly never brought up to me, you know, not that... Not that, I mean, again, it was really ever talked about in my case. It was just, hey, who wants to sign a true love weights pledge? Because you should not have sex until marriage. And that was pretty much all that was said to me. At youth group, it was just, you know, don't have sex. And my parents, it was just don't have sex. There was no real deeper discussion of it. And the same thing when it came to, like, say, confession. There was no, there was no, I don't know, it was just. Once a year, go to confession, you know, <laughs> like, that was it. And so we're just we're robbing kids so much by not teaching them these deeper truths. <laughs> No, and that's definitely what I've heard, you know, from a lot of people. Um, I have some friends that they did, you know, wait until marriage, but even then they still struggled um, in various ways. You know, in some cases, like you mentioned, it's because sex was made up to be this huge, giant, enormous thing. And then it's like they do it and it's like, well, that's it, you know, And then because, I mean, that's another thing no one talks about is that they just say, you know, don't have sex. But no one tells you, like, hey, your first time is probably not going to be that great. It's going to take some work to get good at it, you know. So, like, you think that it's going to be this huge deal and it's going to be life changing. And then you get married and you have sex and you're like, oh, that kind of wasn't very much fun. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
1: that's true.
0: Yeah, I know in my case it was just all, like, um, especially, uh, like, in high school and stuff, it was don't have sex because of STDs and pregnancy. That was it. That was all. That was it. Um, In any case, uh, I know some other people have mentioned, like they said, is that they get married, they waited until marriage, and then they've mentioned, like, because they had it drilled in their head, once you have sex, you're damaged. It's like they struggle with having a healthy view of sex because of these teachings. And so once again, it's like, even if you do make it, it's still harmful. It's just, it's not, it's, this is, it's just so wrong. This whole thing that people came up with and hopefully it's kind of died
1: (laughs) by now. (laughs)
0: And there, I mean, the teachings of the Catholic church, the real ones about sex are so different, even in Catholic youth groups than what we're led to believe. I mean, even, even after getting married, you know, like doing marriage encounter and our premarital counseling and, you know, being in, you know, uh, like marriage groups or whatever ministries at church and stuff like these things don't come up. So it's like, even after high school, you grow up and then you get married and you're having sex like you're supposed to be, and still no one's really telling you what the church teaches. And I remember, oh, I think it was a few years ago, um, someone, I had come across this somehow, I don't remember how, but um, I had learned that essentially having sex within marriage is essentially your marriage vows, like it's the word made flesh, so it's like when you're having sex, you're renewing your marriage vows every time. And I remember being like, oh, my gosh, that's so amazing. And it made, you know, the act of having sex, like, so much more meaningful. It's like, why did I never know this stuff? Because no one ever told us. Yeah. Yeah, I know that it's it's a difficult conversation to have with teenagers. I mean, I'm still, I mean, my kids are, thank God, still young. <laughs> I dread when they're old enough to have this conversation because I have no idea how I'm going to have it. But there has to be a better way than don't have sex. And if you do, you're dirty and damaged or you're not pure. Like, what is that? Like, be, having sex doesn't mean you're somehow impure.
1: I mean, it...
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. It it does. And that's something that I wish that youth groups could, you know, maybe focus on a little bit more instead of this purity nonsense. Yeah, and I think you kind of hit on something that is another kind of harmful truth, at least in my experience, and I think it's pretty common, is that I think the message falls a lot more heavily on girls' shoulders than it does on boys. And part of this is because, and this is harmful in its own way too, is that it's like girls are supposed to be the gatekeepers, and they have to be the ones to keep the boys away because boys are just these hormone-driven horn dogs that are going to have sex all the time, and they will do it if you let them. And on both ends of the spectrum, those are just harmful, harmful notions. Yeah, and I think that um, that's also a good place to kind of transition to the other part of the culture, which is promiscuity, which is among the secular culture, pretty much that's just, that's what reigns supreme. And yet it's still pretty common for so many teenagers. They're raised with these very shallow, superficial, purity, culture, whatever, don't have sex messages. And then they're released into the culture, and it's all of a sudden Sex in the City and Cosmopolitan and, you know, every single TV show. Grey's Anatomy, which I watch Grey's Anatomy. I like Grey's Anatomy, but they're having sex like bunnies on Grey's Anatomy, you know? Like, it just... So you get these messages that are so conflicting and contradictory. And not only that, but you're exposed to it younger and younger. And that's one thing that terrifies me a lot. Um, I was in middle school the first time I saw any kind of pornography. And I didn't even really think about how it affected me as an adult until I think I saw an article where it was like, Someone had written about how it affected her to see her parents' pornography in her home. And there's more and more people that are talking about these things now, like how it kind of ruined your your innocence and changes how you see sex and everything. And it's like, wow, all these other people have had this same thing happen. And so it's like on the one hand, you're being told at church, oh, you need to stay pure, sex is for marriage. But oh, hey, look at this porn video. And now with the internet and smartphones and everything, it's going to be happening. It is happening at younger and younger ages. So it's like these crazy contradictory messages. And at the same time, the secular culture is telling you, porn is healthy, porn is normal, it's empowering. Having casual sex is empowering and normal. Masturbating is healthy and normal. Go have sex with as many people as you want. It's fine. And it's it's, it's so setting people up for failure on... Even more levels. Yeah, and I think you hit upon an in- interesting point there, too, is that when in stuff like Grey's Anatomy or Sex in the City, and this is for women specifically, I can't speak about it. But for women specifically, when you watch shows like this or Friends or any TV show that is on TV or any movie, literally anything in culture, you have these women and it's so often it's like portrayed as they're just like, desperate for sex all the time you know like that they're just like I remember on Grey's Anatomy and I think the first season where Izzy one of the one of the characters is like talking about how much she needs sex like so bad I just need sex you know or like on Friends there's an episode where Monica and Rachel are like fighting over who gets to use the condoms because there's only one left and the one who doesn't win is like so upset and heartbroken and then you have sex in the city where it's just again the same thing like sex is they're just all so obsessed with it now women like sex women enjoy sex and they want to have sex and they have sex drugs just like everyone does but I do not know anyone in real life that is like this super horny sex goddess that just wants it and needs it all the time male or female I don't know anyone like that but especially not women you know because anyone who is listening to this and has done nfp probably realizes from doing your cycles that there are definitely times of the month like say when you're ovulating that you want it more and then after ovulation is finished it's like oh well i'm not really interested anymore maybe that's just me i don't think it is but <laughs> but the point is is that so you have this secular attitude where it's like And in Cosmo, Cosmopolitan magazine and and Glamour and all of these sex magazines, it's, the point is, is that the secular culture is putting forward this picture of women as like just sex crazed and wanting to have sex all the time. And so it becomes this almost self-fulfilling prophecy because when you're 19 years old and you're seeing this and everyone around you is having sex, and this is the way the people in your culture behaving, you think, oh, well, that's the way I'm supposed to be behaving. I should be wanting sex all the time, too. And so it just it just becomes this, again, harmful, damaging attitude and behavior. No, and it. there have been, like, um, all kinds of studies and statistics that have found that teenagers, even specifically, that have sex, um, it it has not led to happiness for them. You know, it's led to all kinds of, a lot of them wish they hadn't done it. Um, It it negatively affects their self-worth. And, I mean, I can just say, even for me, You know, my experience in my early 20s, you know, I would have sex with guys because, you know, of all the things I thought, they would say the right things. And yet on some level, I also knew, well, if I don't have sex with them, then they're not going to stick around. And the reason that I still did it was specifically because my sense of self-worth and self-value was so low that it was like, well... I have to, because if I don't, and then of course, when they do leave after, you know, a few weeks of getting laid, it's like, then your self-worth takes a hit even more because then you're sitting there thinking, why am I not good enough? You know, why, why is it that someone can't love me? And it's like, becomes this just vicious cycle that keeps going over and over and over again. But the thing is, is once again, is that no one's, no one tells you any of these things. And not in the secular culture or in the religious culture. Either way, no one tells you this. You know, in the secular culture, I feel like it's they have even more of a responsibility because you know they're the ones sitting there telling 18-year-olds you should be screwing everything that moves. And these same 18-year-olds have no idea that that it's normal to have these negative feelings. But the culture is sitting there telling them. Well, you should be loving it. You should be enjoying this. So it's like then you have all of these young adults that are sitting there going, what's wrong with me? Why am I not so happy? Why am I not loving my life, you know, having all this sex right now? You no, know, and I think that what you said about human exceptionalism and acknowledging that people have intrinsic value and worth, um, in a way, I think that this almost makes it, in a sense, almost like a pro-life issue. Because I think that you mentioned this earlier, too, um, that this is part of the throwaway culture, you know, now, is that it's treating people as objects to be used and thrown away. And when you do that, it makes it so much easier to view preborn children as objects to be used and thrown away. Or, you know, an elderly person who is, you know, terminally ill with cancer, but just doesn't want to let go yet. Well, you know, you have no purpose anymore. You know, you need to be thrown away. Or a person with a disability. It's like, once you start treating people like objects, where does it stop? I mean, the answer is that it doesn't. Yeah, we do. But I mean, that's, it's a good place to start. And it's one of those things that, you know, like you mentioned, our catechesis, these are things that we should be teaching people that, you know, I wish I had been taught. I mean, the idea of human and just intrinsic human dignity and value, because you were made in the image of God. Why is that not taught more? You know, it's... No, I mean, that's a really good point. It definitely does devalue the idea of human rights when everything is a human right. I mean, I hate to use, like, the Incredibles, but, you know, <laughs> when everyone is super, no one is. I mean, that's, it. I mean, that's really, it's so applicable to so many things. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that – I know that for me, as my kids get older, you know, both my sons and and my daughters, I hope that I'm able to use my experience somehow to teach them better. I'm not sure how I'm going to do that exactly because I know that, you know, any 16-year-old is going to be like, oh, my God, Mom, I don't want to hear about your sex life from, you know, 30 years ago or whatever. Not 30 years ago, but (laughs) – you know, no teenager is going to want to hear like these explicit details, but at the same time, it's like, you know, learn from my mistakes. I hope I can find a way to do that. And then at the same time, you know, the things that you mentioned, um, you know, just our intrinsic human value and that our bodies are made in the image of God. And I mean, I feel like these are good places to start at least for me. And I mean, I guess just as parents, to just try to be super, super, super cognizant of what's being taught in our church youth groups, which is so sad, but I mean, clearly that's what we have to do because even in the you know religious culture in our country, I mean, we're being taught harmful things. So we can't just assume that just because it's in a Catholic church, it doesn't mean that it's not being harmful. And just because it's not promiscuity culture that's being taught, that doesn't mean it's not harmful. Purity culture is harmful too. Thank <laughs> you. Well, and also, I think another good thing, just thinking back from, again, my experience, not that my parents weren't. None of this is like an indictment on my parents. I don't want anyone to think that. Um, I'm just kind of speaking off the top of my head. But just being their soft place to land, you know, like if, say, your 16 year old does admit, you know, like, that they've had sex, like, don't make them feel like, it's the end of the world. Don't make them ashamed or disappointed. You know, like that redemption is there for them. Like, okay, you've made a mistake. What, what, let's talk about it. You know, let's talk about why did it happen? How do you feel? You know, what can we do moving forward? You know, that redemption and that mercy is there for them from God. You know, we need to extend the same grace to them. Uh Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. It's not like, oh, well, you had sex. That's okay. (laughs) No big deal. But just, you know, like, look, it's not the end of the world. Like I said, look at St. Augustine, you know, like, look at St. Augustine. Uh, It's... Yeah, it's funny because there definitely has been pushback in the secular culture against the purity movement. But the thing is, is that they aren't pushing back in the sense of the purity movement is bad, but you shouldn't be having tons of sex. You know, it's like there's not that balance there. And funnily enough, um, I don't know if anyone listening, I know you will, Lauren. I don't know how many of our listeners will know who this is, but Jessica Valenti, I remember... Um, Years back, she wrote a book called the purity myth and I'm actually quoted in it because her whole thing was not just railing against the purity movement, but was talking about how sex is normal and healthy and it's okay for people to do it. And it's like, well, sure. In the right context, but a 16 year old girl, it's not going to be a good thing for her to go or boy, you know, to go and have sex. I say girl, because we're for women on this podcast really. Um, Yeah, it's not going to have, like, a super positive effect on her. And, I mean, is it the end of the world if she has sex? Of course not, you know? But to sit there and say, oh, it's totally fine, is just misleading and wrong. And it's another example of how the secular culture is getting this wrong, too.
1: Wasn't it sex object? Yeah, sex object.
0: Well, I think that for people like Jessica Valenti or anyone in the secular culture, you know, it means admitting that you, I mean everything you believe is wrong. That's really, really difficult to do for for most people um, to have to sit there and be like, "Oh my gosh, I messed up so badly." And not only that, but especially someone that's in the public public eye, whether it's someone like Jessica Valenti or if it's someone who's, say been a pornographer. Not that Jessica Valenti is literally on the same level as a pornographer, but when you have a public, you know, when you're a public figure in any kind of capacity and you're sitting there and you have to square with the idea of not only was I wrong, but I have led millions of people down the wrong path. It's so much easier to just stick your head in the sand and and pretend that it's not happening. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully, hopefully there's going to be kind of a movement back towards that balance. And, you know, especially among Catholics, you know, we can hopefully start to do a better job of instituting what actual Catholic teaching on sexuality is, which is that sex is not something bad or dirty. Um, Sex is wonderful and it's great and it's powerful, um, but that it's supposed to be within a specific context, like you you would think that that's not that radical an idea but apparently it is. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, definitely think that we are better suited right now, um, to, like you said, do better moving forward. So I think that's it for us today. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add? Yeah. Um, make sure you're following us on social media at Fidelis women on Twitter and even Facebook. It is Fidelis blog. Um, and if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to rate, share, and subscribe. Um, share with your friends. Uh, let them know um, that you enjoy this podcast. And, you know, have them give us a listen. Lent is coming up, so we will hopefully have something. I don't want to say fun. I feel like saying fun in conjunction with Lent is, like, wrong. But, you know, something something not fun but suitably Lent-ish, you know. <laughs> You Know kind of like our advent challenge, but you know, we'll be less happy or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe we'll figure out another activity for Lent, um, for us to do for our listeners. So stay tuned for that. And, um, morning, Cassie, thank you for tuning in to Fidelis, where there's no right way to be a Catholic woman.
1: Uh-huh.